All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Well, so much going on, including garden time. Our program in the garden with Peter Burke is brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm in Colchester, featuring top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Check out online for store locations and hours, sticksandstuff.com. By PR Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott, a great family business. Family milled lumber for all your many projects. Check out PR Lumber on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard, four locations here in Vermont to serve you. If it eats and grows, Guy's can feed it. Check out Guy's Farm and Yard online, guysfarmandyard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Route 107 in Bethel. They're online at dandelionacres.com, and they sponsor the In the Garden podcast at wdevradio.com. Oh, there they are, those singing vegetables. (laughs) With John Denver, Muppets, Muppet vegetables. Our telephone lines are open to hear from you. 802-244-1777. And here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hi there. What are you up to? Hardly anything. <laughs> Actually, I'm like, the one-arm paper hanger applies today. You know, <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot so. Of things going on. You're doing the uh, the dance party. Uh, is did you say they were closing down uh, Stowe Street? Yeah, they uh, Stowe Street will be blocked from the bridge to uh-huh. the uh, you know to the intersection. To the intersection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, and I want to mention that Larry Brett and Alex Brett of LBJ, uh, you know, um, music services, my buddies from radio, uh, Larry from years and years ago. We've known each other 60 years. Mm. Um, we, uh, they are, you know, every bit as much of it and perhaps a lot more than I am involved in this. They bring all the equipment and everything. And I just uh, say, oh. here's Martha and the Vandellas and dancing in the street, which is exactly <laughs> what we're doing. So anyway, we've got uh, we've got a whole bunch of people contributing to this and some of the folks from the uh, uh, from the uh, car show will bring a trailer, so we're elevated. Larry Brett oh. from LBJ Music has a, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Brett's jukebox has his uh, lights and everything. And then, thank <laughs> you know, weather permitting, because we'll we'll check and see what the thunder situation is, because we really mm. can't go ahead if there's actual thunder. Yeah, thunder means lightning somewhere, yep. you know. So, yep. uh, but um, you know, we are very optimistic. So, uh, barring uh, barring that eventuality, we'll have some beautiful car shows. Light, car, uh, show cars mm-hmm. lining both sides of the street. Oh, man. The street itself is closed to traffic, and we'll be dancing in the middle. Dancing right. in the street, right? And dancing in the street, yeah. Well, I I, I have noticed a, a bunch of uh, cars on my way here on Route 2 and in Montpelier and 
and uh, and around town. And it's always fun to to see the they're just beautiful cars. I, you know, some of them are uh, classic, and some of them are hot rods, and and the whole thing. So. I, and, lo- I love the ones I can't identify. There was one part <laughs> right in front of our building here. I guess they were going in for the to the bagel. Yeah. This was when I was first arriving and yeah. get the news together. Uh-huh. So I didn't really even get to look at But uh, just a tiny little convertible with Quebec plates on it uh-huh. and the license plate, the white license plate, had the word FIG on it, F-I-G. <laughs> and I have no idea what this tiny little convertible was, but it looks like it goes back to the 50s and obviously in immaculate condition if they drove it down. Mm from Quebec. Yeah. And stopped for a Vermont bagel, and, uh, and I'm sure they were off to far field with far where field. it's happening right yep. now. Yep. Well, that uh, sounds like a good summer fun, and uh, I always look forward to seeing them on the roads. Um, so let's see. We are in August now, um, August 12th, middle of August. You, you know, there's a, a lot going on and a lot coming to a conclusion um, and there's still a lot of gardening to do. Um, sort of depends on what you want out of your garden. If you, if you want to plant second crops, uh, uh, one of my buddies at work is going to plant another crop of peas because he had a really uh, poor harvest of his peas, uh, spring peas. And uh, he likes to freeze uh, a ton of them. So uh, do you have a call? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I believe we do. We'll just ask our first caller for their first name in town. All right. Hi, it's Andy. I'm calling from Plainfield. Hey, Sandy. Um, I have a couple of questions for you, Peter. First of all, I am starting to see the hummingbird moth, which means the tomato hornworm is not far behind. Ah. Uh, and yeah. I'm wondering what I should do to protect. Well, uh, right away you should um, uh, get the the. Um, I know, wait a minute, this to tomato hornworm, right? Yep. Uh, the uh, constant vigilance. <laughs> to, okay. to a quote, um, y- you can you can. The best thing to do is pick them, yep. and and squeeze them or put them in soapy water or or something okay. like that. Uh, you can, um, there's not much in the way of, um, sprays that you can use for them. You could try different ones, but, uh, um, you know, the, the best thing is, is to, um, uh, uh to pick them. Just go out every day and look and see. And I, I know it's a chore that nobody really wants because it's sort of like, let's go, uh, have lunch with Godzilla. But it's uh, it's the easiest way to take care of them, and since they're so um, so big and easy to spot, it's really not much of a chore that way. Um, now, could you describe that moth? Because I think uh, when you you mentioned the moth, that is the um, um, that tells you that the worms are on their way. Uh, what does that look like? Commonly known as a hummingbird moth because mm-hmm. it looks a little bit like a hummingbird. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> we've got some flocks out the window, which is not far from the tomatoes. Yep. It is starting last night. It just came into the flocks big time. So there's quite a few oh. of them. Oh, yeah. And and uh, they're kind of big, aren't they? They are big. I mean, again, we have hummingbirds as well. And if you're not mindful, you can mistake one for the other. They're not as big as a hummingbird, but mm-hmm. they're not a lot smaller. 
Yeah, okay, just slightly smaller than a uh, a hummingbird then. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, what color is it? Burnt gray. Gray, yeah. Yeah, not, there's nothing striking about it except its motion and its size. It's, it's a bigger than usual moth, and as I say, it... Mm-hmm. It mimics the behavior of a hummingbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've seen some too, and uh, and, and it's a little bit. Uh, well, there's like the luna moth, which is you know three inches around. That's oh, yeah. a monster. <laughs> but these, yeah, these guys have antenna too. Oh, oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Lovely. I wish they weren't. <laughs> the, the the harbinger of terrible things, right? <laughs> well, all right. I'm, I'll be picking tomato hornworms as I've done in the past. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you. <clears throat> pardon me. Another question, if I may. Yeah, of course. It's been a good year overall in the garden. The tomato, excuse me, the peppers and the tomatillos mm-hmm. are alive. They look okay. They're producing almost no fruit. Mm. I'm assuming that has to do with the wet weather and not a lot of summer. It has everything to do with that, and and uh, I I have heard sort of a variety of of reports, uh, you know, from garden buddies, and uh, pretty much uh, anything that needs pollination, like uh, uh, cucumbers and zucchinis, are so so, and. Um, uh, yeah, cukes are good this year. I mean, they're not great, but they're good. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, the tomatoes are outstanding. There's many good successes, but mm-hmm. the, the peppers and the tomatillos are just sort of sticky. Well, uh, just to roll back to the peppers, uh, I think, and I've been watching this pretty closely because I, um, when I usually plant my peppers and eggplant i put them in a hoop house you know just uh yep. i have a four by four box yep. that i use and i take a, a piece of 10 foot plastic uh pipe you know pvc pipe and then i'll put a piece of um uh fence screening uh, the two by three you know you can use any variety uh and i i attach that to those two hoops one in the front one in the back and then i'll lay up a sheet of plastic over the top of it and tie it down. Um, now it's open front and back because you know I don't want to I don't want to cook them during the hot summer day. But at night, frequently this summer, even though it's been really hot and and humid, uh, a lot of the nights are going below 55 degrees. And that's the in that situation when it goes at nighttime below 55, you'll have flowers, but you won't get fruit. Mm-hmm. Or you may not even have flowers, but yeah. if you have flowers, you might not have fruit. They won't. It's just too cold for them. So my basil, my eggplant, and my uh, peppers, I I usually put a hoop over them. Uh, just in case. And since they're open, it doesn't really bother if it doesn't. If the nighttime temperatures are, are, you know, above 55. But this, this summer we have had several, many nights that it go down into the 40s. Um, you do you know. Close down, do you close down the plastic at that point and try and keep them warm over? No, I, uh, the, the whole point of this is that, that the, the soil heats up enough right. that there's a radiant heat and all that does is capture that radiant heat. Um, if you think it's going to be really cold, then you can, you know, close up the, the front and the back. But I usually do a single layer that just runs the four feet over the, over the fencing and the, 
And that has worked very well for me. Um, uh, and I, I, you know, it took me a little while to figure out why I could not grow. Uh, I could not bear fruit on a, on a perfectly healthy, uh, pepper or eggplant plant, you know, they'd be, oh, two feet tall and there would be nothing on them. And as I got to reading more about it, it says, well, you know, if it's under 55 at night, um, you know, uh, they, they'll fruit, but they won't, they won't, they'll flower, but they won't bear fruit. And so that's what got me started on that, and that has worked well for me. So if you're in a spot that might be a cool hollow or a summer like uh, uh, this summer where you see that there's going to be some uh, cool weather at the nighttime temperatures, and that's a that's a funny thing. A lot of times we don't really think of nighttime temperatures unless it's frost, you know. But, uh, you know, even, even your basil is a little sensitive to um, – uh, Basil is a little sensitive to nighttime temperatures as well. So that's why I do all three of those. Super helpful. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Thank you both for the show um, and uh, hope to talk in the future. Can I ask you a question? Are you still there? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I think we lost him, okay. but that's all right. He's listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I might, I, I might, I might add. Um, yeah. Uh, when talking about the uh, tomato, well, first of all, if you were to ask my daughter what, how you handle the uh, hornworms, <laughs> she would suggest something in the uh, in the nature of napalm. I, I tell you, it, uh, it it caused a ruckus at various times <laughs> during when my kids were young. When you hear the kids out in the garden, and, and I don't blame them one bit no. because when I I was a kid at my grandfather's garden. I met one when I was short, you know, just a kid, toddler. Well, I must have been maybe six or seven. Yeah, and at that time it was 10 a, inches long I, and, and well, it, a foot it, around. You I know. met it eye to eye, you know. Oh, it, it was the size of Godzilla in my mind. Yeah. But uh, the UVM extension system uh, has – uh, issued a, a few statements and directives and whatnot uh-huh. in response to multiple inquiries they were getting about what turns out to be blossom end rot. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me read a little bit. As you harvest the first tomatoes of the season, you may notice that some of the fruit is not perfect. Mm-hmm. Blossom end rot, a physiologic disorder, results in dry, sunken brown areas on the blossom end or bottom of the fruit. Don't we just know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's happening. And they also point out that uh, blossom end rot, I haven't seen this all that much, blossom end rot also can occur on peppers, Mm -hmm. but often is on the sides of the fruits rather than on the bottom. The cause of this unsightly rot is due to the insufficient calcium in the fruit, despite having sufficient calcium in the soil, stems, or leaves. And guess what? Mm. That's my, you know, insertion. The disorder is linked to fluctuating soil moisture, causing <laughs> poor movement of calcium into fruit. Let me ask you, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Garden Expert, have we had fluctuating soil moisture? <laughs> well, let me see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I, I think probably we had a little bit. We're not going to A little bit of fluctuation. We're not going to forget. You know, it's, it, it goes from sopping wet to. Yeah, well, you know, as I say, there's neither. Absolutely nothing funny about the people that have suffered oh, no. severe loss of you yeah, know of property and whatnot. But people so, who are high up and yep. just uh, you know looking forward to a normal garden mm-hmm, year, mm-hmm. all that rain went right down, and mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you know it's like a shake, shake the 
catch a bottle, some will come and then a lot, so, will, you know. Yeah, yeah. And this, this, uh, is a couple of things I wanted to talk about is, um, with all this moisture in the soil and repeatedly is just to reiterate is that you can help to correct that, uh, the variations in, in the soil moisture by using the vermiculite. And that's actually, uh, uh, one of the, the, uh, one of the two important reasons to use vermiculite is to help to, um, you know, uh, balance that out so that it's absorbing all the moisture that it can hold and it's quite a bit. And then releasing it uh, during the warm days to keep your, the, the important thing is to keep the air in the soil, you know, and it, it allows for the, uh, the calcium to be pulled up into the, into the plant. And that's why you want to use that kind of thing to keep your soil nice and light and fluffy. Um, and I, I think I've said it before is that, that, um, it, the plants need air to, so to speak, digest the nutrients that are in the soil. So you can have enough calcium in your soil, but you know, if, if it's real wet conditions, that, uh, you know, that it can't pick it up. Yeah, a lot of people have contacted them with yeah. regard to what is diagnosed as right. the obvious blossom endrite. Blossom endrite. Yeah, I, you know, it's no surprise. I get it every year. <laughs> Some years when it's dry, I water too much. This year, I really haven't had that hope. Out at all. This is, you know. yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, mine's still in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the um, uh, and uh, that was the one thing I wanted to say. Uh, the two aspects of adding vermiculite. Now, if you if you have a bed, you know it's pretty uh, pretty simple to add um, just so much per. Um, uh, if you have an established bed, say it was four foot, you'd want, uh, at least one five gallon bucket, uh, to, um, to add to that. You know, if it's four by eight, then it would be two five gallon buckets and you just, uh, you don't need to stir it up too much. You just want it mixed up well enough in the top six or eight inches of the bed. Um, my beds are only six inch anyway, so it's just, you know, uh, uh, at least in one part of it. The other, the first part, I, I double dug down to two feet, but, um, uh, that, that will help with that problem immensely. So, yeah. Yeah. In my, in my garden, I'm reviving the old, uh, the old uh, slogan that we had uh, when mm-hmm. I was growing up in New York. I, even though I grew up in the Bronx, I yeah. was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. And wait till next year was always <laughs> a, the motto for the Dodgers, except finally in 1955 they did it. But anyway, I digress. I'm going uh, – The de- not only did we have everything, but the deer actually kicked down. Yeah, you know my my, uh, my raised beds. Oh, you know I still got really? mounds of soil there. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, so I'm going to go out to PNR Lumber. They they yeah. cut it for you and, uh, yep. and everything. And yep. and so they're going to actually be square instead of <laughs> <laughs> I have these hexagonal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ones, you know. Well, yeah. what's three or four inches off, you know, when you're, when you're doing carpentry? Oh, one of the best gardeners was a good friend uh, in uh, Woodbury, and she used uh, the raised bed method, but she only did raised rows. And her rows 
Oh, they were about maybe 24 inches wide, and but they'd be a foot tall. Mm-hmm. And she just kept adding, you know, stuff to it, uh, and and raised them that way. And, and and that worked well for her. She she liked to plant things in a row, and and uh, so it worked well for her. Um, I uh, I sort of thought that. These big round things in planting one in the middle was kind of a waste of space, but um, it worked well yeah, for her. Yeah, whatever works. Yeah, yeah it yeah. worked well for her, and it's it was the same principle: is the is the light airy light airy bed uh, growing medium. Um, so oh, I think we should take a, a commercial break. Oh man! At okay. this time, as, as we have, a, as we move to another topic, I also might add that our telephone number is open for your <laughs> gardening comments and questions at eight zero two two four four one seven seven seven. That'll get to us. We'll be here for another forty five minutes or so with in the garden, and. Um, do uh, We do thank these uh, wonderful sponsors that have been with us all throughout the program. They're mm-hmm. with you all throughout the year. Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture, plus soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. 244-1777, that's the number. And here's the expert, Peter Burke. (laughs) Well, thanks, Joel. Um, So, uh, um, of course... I guess you've probably heard it a few times this week too. It feels like fall out there. It's time for the mums. Um, all those things. Uh, in the garden, this is really, uh, uh, the beginning of, uh, of a harvest season. You know, there'll be a lot of things you can harvest. Uh, you should see at some point fairly soon the potatoes start to brown up and, and, uh, and then the garlic should be, uh, should be right about there, right about now. Well, I tell uh, you, some, uh, those garden stands have something for sale. I purposely avoid Pine Street in Burlington <laughs> on my way in because that's where the uh, Burlington farmers market is on Saturday mornings. So, yeah. You know, it would take me an hour and a half to get from one yep. end of Pine Street to the other before yep. I get on the interstate to come to Waterbury. So yep. they're, they're harvesting something. I, uh, one of these, uh, Saturdays, I'm going to get there real early just to see, take it. Uh, I was going to say, if you can't beat them, maybe you should I'll join, join them. them right now. <laughs> yeah, no, and of course, and this on top of the fact that many of them uh, lost an awful lot who, oh, man. through their farming in the intervale. Yeah, you know. yeah, and uh, the people growing uh, pot uh, uh, have absolutely no no help at no, all. Yeah, no resources. So, yeah. Uh, you know, come, aid comes from the federal government, and, but uh, not for still, them. It's still illegal federally. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, uh i have so many things i want to get to um but um uh, the harvest uh, storing the harvest is always one of my favorite topics and um i'd like to hear how you store your stuff um the five basic ways to store stuff uh, you know the your harvest um, really come down to, uh, um, of course, canning. That's probably one of the old, that is, uh, 
uh, well, actually, uh, it started uh, back in the late 1800s canning with cans, and then the jars, um, you know, ball jar, mason jars, and all that stuff. Way before that, though, people were storing their food in cold cellars, you know, um, in, in sometimes um, in uh, a, a room under the ground. And uh, so cold cellar is, is a, a pretty easy, although you do have to watch out for... Um, uh, your temperatures and that kind of thing. And then also a very old, uh, way to store food is fermentation. So the, those are, that's two of them, two of them that are, uh, fermentation and cold cellar and, uh, canning. And we'll continue with this after I we might, talk to I, I might Gene. Just, yeah, we'll go to Gene in a second. When I was a teenager yeah. and going to my grandfather, my grandfather just had a vegetable garden. Yeah. But the neighbor, and his young uh, the the son there was uh, like a buddy of mine taught me everything about rural life yeah. the things we learned out behind the barn you know <laughs> but seriously what when i was like 14 years old they said okay we've got a job for you we'll pay you 50 cents an hour we dug a root cellar oh, oh yeah and that took a week of <laughs> yeah. digging and i said where are we going to china you know we're <laughs> we're just digging down there but that's where they stored everything you yeah. know and so did, did so they do we, like a block wall yeah they a, sure did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're keeping Gene, uh, you know, and I appreciate his patience. He's not yeah. from Morrisville. <laughs> hey, Gene, how are you today? I'm good. How about yourself? Oh, good. Are you storing food right about now, starting to harvest? Oh, yes. Uh, but the question I have is we've got some kind of a worm that demolishes the milkweed. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a milkweed beetle. Yeah, it's it's um my son had that down in New York and uh I was reading about it in in reference we were talking about doing a butterfly garden and since the monarch is is uh, pretty dependent on the um the milkweed um yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if you're ambitious and you want to, you can spray for it. I would probably start with the Captain Jack's dead bug, the spinner's head. Right. Where, where does the worm come from? Is it a moth that brings that in? Or? Yeah, yeah. It, it's the same cycle as a cabbage worm or like we were just talking about the, the tomato horn worm. It's a, it's a moth that comes in, lays its eggs and, you know, and uh, up here it's only one cycle. We don't get two cycles of it. Um, you know, it's it's a it's hard to say whether it's really worth treating. I mean, I ha- I have so much, you know, so much of that around the house. You know, that uh, milkweed. Yeah, milkweed. So much milkweed yeah. around the house that uh, if if I lose some, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, devastating. It's what you know. You yeah. look at it one day, and yeah. the plants there, and they look at it the next day, and yeah, the, everything is all you have is just stock. Uh, stock, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's pretty, just amazing. Pretty quick, pretty quick. Uh, um, not unlike a cabbage worm, really. Right. Uh, um, so Captain Jack will take care of it. Yeah. If yeah. you want to spray it, or you just let him. I mean, I just. <laughs> 
try to pick off the leaves that they're on. Or, yeah, you know, that's the other way is you you can go around and just check the bottom of the leaves for um, for the egg. There should be a little package of eggs, you know, usually yeah. in a small cluster. I can't remember what color they are. They, they could be white or orange. Um, yeah, they're kind of reddish almost, uh, the ones that right. I've seen. You've seen, yeah. 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 Well, I never seen, I haven't looked for the eggs, but yeah. I haven't seen them, but I, yeah. I mean, when they, when the worms come out, they come out in a great big <laughs> army yeah. of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. And they can just devastate a plant within a day. Yeah, with no, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, it's almost as bad as the cab, the uh, tomato hornworm, which which can do a lot of damage in one day. Now, where does that hornworm come from? Is that? Uh, he, he's like any of the other moths. He's just one of the you know native species that uh, after they finish eating on your tomatoes, they drop down and and live in the soil for a while, and and then they come back after. They don't really, oh. you know, whereas your your viruses and your bacteria, are, you know, float in from who knows where. Um, pretty much your moths and stuff uh, are are fairly local. I mean, when you think of it, I mean, it's just sort of like weeds. The the number of weed seeds that pass over a garden in the in the course of of, of uh, June and July and August is just astounding. You know, there's lots and lots of of uh, weed seed that float in and in all of, from all around, you know, whether it's the yeah. the grasses or the, you know. So it doesn't make any difference if you plant tomatoes in the same place again. I mean that that doesn't affect that at all. I mean, you... Not so much, no. I, although for other reasons, it's a good idea to to rotate your crops uh, every, right. Right. you know, at least uh, for a minimum of three years. So I seem to rotate my crop. Yeah. Or crop for tomatoes, but I have those hornworms every year. Yeah. Yep. That's what I mean. Is they're they're in the soil. They're they're uh, local, and they'll come back every year. Now you can, you know, um, there's a, a wasp. I can't remember what the name of the wasp is right this second, but they, there's a wasp that you can actually buy, and uh, you know, sort of like ladybugs or. Uh, You know, and um, what that does, and sometimes you'll actually see um, one of the tomato hornworms has these like uh, white clusters on their back, and they're they're about the size of a kernel of white rice. They look like that, and that that's showing that the that wasp um, has actually infected the 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 hornworm, and it's it's going to die and. You can, in a sense, you know, uh, instead of grabbing that one and killing it, go ahead and let the the wasps' um, little larvae, you know, come uh, um, just finish eating the hornworm, and you've sort of built in your protection for next year. And uh, so, if you see one uh, like that, uh, get them off your tomato plant, but don't uh, don't kill them. Right. Yeah. So that's the one thing. And then, of course, as you use uh, something like a uh, Captain Jack's, if you have a a real infestation and you kill the bugs uh, uh, early on, then they they won't be uh, 
uh, laying their eggs and, and continuing the cycle. So you can break the cycle to a certain degree by spraying your plants with the Captain Jacks. And that's, that's really more as useful is for the future as it is for, um, for the, uh, this season. Very good. Okay. Yeah, you can I give have one that other a question. That is, yep. I uh, bought onion sets. Yeah. <laughs> and I planted them um, about four inches apart or yep. whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe a little more than that. But now I'm finding that some of those onions have split and the, and. They will grow like four or five onions <laughs> all together. Really? On one plant. And huh. I was in, wonder how can that be or why does that happen? Yeah, I, uh, that so far we've attributed everything to the weather. Um, but I, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, how is your soil? It's not rocky or anything? No, no. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Actually, it's compost. Oh yeah, well, uh, yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I can't. I, I don't know why the why a, an onion plant would split into almost like a garlic. Is that what you're saying? Something that has no several it, cloves well, on it. Well, the garlics are all in a clove, you know. Yeah, or, yeah. But the onions are are just you end up with four separate in one plant and pulling out four onions. <laughs> You know, I, it, they just spread to that. that yeah, a, yeah. How, how, um, how big are the onions that you're pulling up? Are they they're full size or are they real small? Well, they're small. I mean, yeah. they may be an inch or a little yeah. bigger. Yeah, a little, um, little small. Now, is this for for the whole row or is it just a few? It's like a few. Oh. Yeah, I can't say exactly. I'm not sure. Um, I'll have to look that up and see because uh, it's it's not right. It's not right on the top of my head at this point. Um, so listen up a little bit, and I'll I'll see if I can't find something on it. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Gene. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you for the Enjoy call. Your show. Yeah, good. Just keep it's them good coming. To yes, I will. Well, I, I always check with the uh, Cornell researchers, and uh, they are they talk about the beneficial wasps. Yeah. And uh, the one that they like is braconid, the braconid wasp. But really? They fall into a category of beneficial yeah. wasps, yeah. and they lay their eggs uh, on the skin of the of the um, hornworm. The, the hornworm, hornworm yeah. gets weak and dies yeah. and yeah. stops eating, and so yeah. So, if so you, they call it uh, they call it uh, integrated pest management, <laughs> you know, and it's all organic and everything. Although a lot of people don't like the idea of introducing wasps yeah. into their garden, but these are not the ones that are on the back on your back deck. Uh, no, you know, yeah, they're dive they're bombing you and yeah, they you, they don't know. even look anything like that yeah. except for the, you know, yeah. They're not the, it's not the same. Definitely it's, and you know, if you have those, then you, your garden is already in a sense inoculated, so, you know, you don't, you don't have to buy any. They're, they I, sort I, of come on their own. I wonder if they'd come back the next year. I'm, I'm actually looking, I'm hoping I'm going to be doing enough gardening. I would love to, I would love to see that happen, you know, the, the wasps. <laughs> 
<laughs> wasps, you know, doing in those uh, hornworms. Yeah, and but how would you keep track of them? That's that's the problem. Well, I say you notice, according to Cornell, yeah. uh, let's see, the uh, beneficial wasp can control hornworms because females lay eggs under the caterpillar's skin, which uh, yeah. after which the eggs hatch and larvae feed on the hornworm. And you can notice this after yeah. eating through the caterpillar, which you can see, <laughs> they form dozens of tiny white cocoons on the caterpillar's skin, which are visible. The ho- tomato hornworm is then rendered weak and near death, and voila, your vegetable crop is safe. <laughs> <laughs> they, but they have they much higher poets, I think. <laughs> you know, whenever there's good news, when there's bad news, <laughs> they're a little bit more matter of fact about it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you happen to find a tomato hornworm covered in these small oval cocoons, yeah. consider yourself lucky. Those That's are, right. And those you, are their words. Yeah. You, you do not want to kill that one. You yeah. want to keep yeah. that one alive yeah. and well. So there you go. <laughs> and um, um, Peter, one other. There were two major phone calls and uh, and uh, correspondence to the UVM Extension Service over this past week. One, as we mentioned, uh, dealt with the uh, blossom end rot. Would you like to uh, just make a guess as to what topic was the other uh, problem that they uh, had? Tomato hornworm? No, 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 no. no. no dividing How, onions? No. What do you get on the leaves of your... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Late mildew. blight. Oh, pottery mildew. mildew. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they, and again, uh, well, I predicted that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, in their words, gardeners may notice a white coating on the leaves of their cucurbit plants, phlox, yeah. roses, and yep. lilacs, yep. a common fungal disease called powdery mildew mm-hmm. that appears this time of year on several, several different hosts. The whitish gray powder seen on both sides of the leaves, stems, and flowers are the spores of the fungal pathogen. These spores are lightweight and are carried on air currents to other susceptible crops mm-hmm. throughout the growing season. At the mm-hmm. very first sign, spray just about anything on them. <laughs> and uh, you might nip them in the bud, but if you see it uh, pretty well spread at this point, uh, you're going to have to live with it. And uh, some of your cucurbits probably will not live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Um when I uh, we were talking to Gene, yeah. uh, the the when I said that the we've been blaming almost everything on the rain, and in fact that is the problem with the onions is that when they uh, get over irrigated, which is in this case too much rain and not enough dry time, then they they tend to divide and. Um, it wasn't in uh, the Vegetable Gardener's Bible. I looked it up there first, but the, then I found it um, on Johnny's site, Johnny's Seeds. I think we have another caller. Oh, yeah. Let's go right on the air with your first name in town. Oh, oh someone probably with a message. Maybe maybe I should share one more message. Um uh, the Thunder Road schedule for today. This is important, oh. so we will interrupt the gardening for a moment to say that we interrupt this. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, we don't want uh, you know. We, we. I mean, I was driving down to Fairhaven. Well, I drove down to Saratoga. We were picking yeah. up W ninety six point one all the way. Yeah, you know, past. Uh, you know, Virgins down oh. into Fairhaven. Oh, so wow. anybody driving to Thunder Road, today's big Saturday race program 
has been postponed until uh, the September 1st, which will be a Friday. So it'll actually turn out as originally intended, yeah. a Super Friday show. So yeah. again, with the forecast similar to what postponed it the last time uh, with the rain and possible thunder showers tonight, the uh, Saturday, August 12th, the events today postponed in their entirety to Friday, September 1st. So please spread the uh, word, the event in its entirety, including the Street Stock Triple Crown, uh, moves to September 1st for a Super Friday show. And uh, it's not today, but it's uh, September 1st. We're holding firm for the street dance, but we'll let you know as soon as we uh, yeah. get the word as to... Uh, Did we get activity. a call back from the caller who... No, we no, don't know. No, no. No, okay. Um, so... Let me just, uh, oh, we, we were talking about the different ways to, uh, to store your harvest. Yeah. We got through, um, the, uh, cold, cold cellar as you yeah. enlightened us. Um, uh, I tell you, boy, that was quite that was quite something for a 14-year-old. We're digging this huge hole my, in the ground. I had no idea what we were doing until they finally told me what we were doing. So we I went out bury to my, a tractor. You know? Yeah, yeah. I went out to my dad's farm, and he had somebody out there digging a hole next to the garage, and I was like, what's this? <laughs> it's a cold cellar. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's probably the oldest technology known to man. They were doing that thousands of years ago. Yeah. Well, and uh, the fermenting is is, uh, is a very viable and uh, easy, fun, and delicious way to store your foods. And, uh, and then that's all seconded by, um, dehydration, drying, you know, whether it's, a uh, uh, meat, you know, like deer meat and the hardtack and all those, uh, different varieties of dried meats or, or dried vegetables or, you know, dried herbs, all those things. Yeah, you know, my daughter is in Italy and I asked her, you know, are, are there really such things as sun-dried tomatoes? And they do dry them. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, they... In the, in the sun, you know, in, yeah. in many places. Sure. And, uh, of course, I use the, uh, you know, the uh, Pompeil, you know, set it and forget it dehydrator that I bought <laughs> yeah. 40 yep. years ago. Yeah. And yep. that, that works, too. Yep. Yeah, that works very well. And uh, uh, I use that a lot. Of course, now we have the freezer, um, which is... Uh, which is great. You know, a lot of times, uh, even if I plant a can or make a salsa or a spaghetti sauce, uh, I go ahead and freeze the tomatoes to start with. And, uh, it has sort of a dual purpose in that it, it, uh, when I have more time a little bit later on, you know, in the, after the fall gardening is over, I can make, uh, make those things when, uh, having uh, boiling water in the kitchen is not doesn't make things worse but better, <laughs> and so you put that gas range to good use, uh, warming the house up. And the other thing is, of course, when your tomatoes uh, start to thaw, you can slip those skins right off because uh, a lot of times, a lot of pe- I I don't mind the seeds, but I don't care for the tomato skins. Hmm. But um, you know. If I don't have time, I don't do it, you know. But anyway, you just let them thaw a little bit and then go in and and pop the skins off and and do your batch and then bring out the next bunch of tomatoes and let them thaw a little bit and pop off the skins. And um, so that works really well. 
But the the other thing that I did want to talk about this time of year, besides um, uh, storing the harvest, and if you have questions about, you know, uh, storing the harvest, and uh, if you want to give me a tip on on how you store certain things, I'd love to hear it. Um, the um, the other thing is the fall really is the best time to do your soil test. And um, I know I've mentioned this before on the show, but just a reminder, um, this is the, the best time to do those soil tests because this is the best time to make the amendments to uh, to your garden soil. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the... The primary nutrients, the NPK, nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, those are pretty easy to test for, um, uh, but they're, the, a professional soil test really will give you a better read on, um, uh, on what's, you know, what's, av- what's available in your garden soil and what you need to boost up. The lesser common ones, uh, your secondary ones like calcium, magnesium, sulfur, uh, those kinds of things, it's a little harder to read what you need. And calcium, as we, we've just been talking about, is super important. Um, for things like tomatoes, but also sulfur, really important if you're growing brassica. Um, and then there's the micronutrients, zinc, manganese, uh, copper. Uh, now boron turns out to be really important again for your, your broccoli plants and your other, um, coal plants, the, the cabbage family. Uh, one of the signs of a deficiency in, in boron um, is that the the stem of the broccoli is sort of hollow, sort of hollowed, hollowed out. Uh-huh. And if you see that, then you know you need to put a little boron. It doesn't take much. It's just like a tablespoons in a bed of just regular old borax. You know, you can get that at the grocery store. And, and I know they have forms of that at Agway and Blue Seal and all the other um, garden stores. I might just add that to have a soil test done in the fall is probably a good idea because I think they get a bit back backlogged uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, early in growing years. season mm-hmm. because I've, I've submitted mine to the extension service. And yeah. it took just a, a little longer than I had hoped mm-hmm. to get get the information packet, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. of course, and then you have all the information in the fall giving you a whole, uh, you know, a whole season <clears throat> or two to, uh, you know, gear up for the actual growing season. Yeah, and, and of course, this way, you know, when you put the lime on, um, you know, you, you can put lime on that has uh, the magnesium in it and, you know, it gets a chance to actually break down in the soil because when you put the lime on, it's it's not really available right away. It has to have the combination of you know the the water and and uh, the biological activity in the soil to break it down and make it available um, in the soil. So by doing it in the winter, you're really starting your garden for next year. Doing it in the fall, I mean. You're starting your your yep. garden for next year, so this is uh, this is the time that I look to it and and try to check for the you know the the basic uh, the pH probably as as you know is is the acidity or alkalinity um, and it's a scale that goes from one to fourteen and right dead in the middle is seven. Mm-hmm. 
mostly uh, for garden stuff, it runs about, you don't want to keep it between six and seven. You know, six and a half is the ideal for many crops. Now, that is with the exception of things like uh, blueberries and rhododendron yeah. and raspberries and blueberries. And, yeah, yeah uh, all the berries, like a little bit more acidic. And in that case, you you use a, an aluminum sulfate or uh, just uh, you know uh, agricultural sulfur. You can use that. Um, I tend to use the holly tone because it has the rates already measured out, and it also is uh, some fertilizer for my blueberries. So it's sort of a, a double um, <clears throat> a double purpose uh, fertilizer. It, it changes the. And it was what two years ago I had a real problem with the the soil being not acid enough, because I uh, I noticed a couple of my bushes the leaves were turning a light green and I thought well, you know what was this, and it has a fancy name and it basically means you know you're not getting enough acid it's too it's too alkaline, and uh, you wouldn't think you know you would think good soil would be fine but no it, it and this is the reason you do soil tests is that you know um when i did mine i was really low in sulfur and uh and actually i was low in, in nitrogen and that's when i was actually learning about the fact that compost even though you're adding compost to your soil on a regular basis it's not necessarily a a, a fertilizer it's more of a soil medium, a soil conditioner. You're putting the, you know, the, the worms and all the little buggies into the soil that actually keeps the soil healthy and alive, helps to break down that lime and all the other stuff that you're putting on. And uh, that's when I realized that you putting compost is not actually putting nitrogen in your soil. That's why you need to add a fertilizer. Yeah, it's always fun looking at the in, the old compost piles that I'm not, not using <laughs> yeah. anymore. And every now and then some incredible vine crop will grow out <laughs> yeah, of it. Oh, better absolutely. than anything in my garden. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, that's true. And uh, I uh, we put one of those... Uh, Old compost piles on my garden, and, yep. and what I had, what what I ended up with was more weeds than I've ever seen <laughs> yeah, in my garden yeah, ever. Yeah, you know, the, you just don't think about how many. You know, anyway, that was that was a mistake. Um, so are we? Um Oh, we do have a dollar. <laughs> Thanks for pointing. I'm here in the studio supposed to see these things. Let's hope it's not a bill collector. Uh, let's hope it's a, a customer. Hello, uh, your first name in town? Hello. Yes, you're on the air with uh, Peter Burke. I'm from New Haven. I called you a few weeks ago concerning... Uh, Turn down your radio because uh, we have a bit of a delay. On uh, told for me to talk sometime in the month of August. Well, we're in it. I don't know whether he meant now or the end of August. Oh, uh, any anywhere from now until the you know the end of uh, the end of September. Uh, basically, uh, you, you run the risk of having your soil be frozen and you can't really dig a nice, uh, soil sample. But any time that the soil is uh, between now and even November, really, that the soil is not frozen, you can get a, no, a soil I, sample. I, 
I think I think it was um, you you expressed the need to top the plant itself. Oh oh oh! Uh, which plant was this? I guess I didn't hear right. Brussels sprout. Oh yeah yeah! Now is the time. No, Go ahead and no. top it. Yep. Yep. Uh, and as far as uh, and as far as cutting the big leaves off as it grows. Yeah. What's your recommendation there? Uh, as soon as you see a bud forming, then go ahead and take that leaf. Take you, the leaf that's underneath the bud. Underneath off. the bud, yeah. Thank yeah. you very much, sir. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I couldn't. I just need a little reiteration, that's all. <laughs> oh, anytime, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like Pete, you know, I like, I like my beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. I'm with you there. Yeah. I, I, I forget stuff. <laughs> yeah, but you feel good. Your... you feel good about forgetting stuff. <laughs> Have a nice beer. Yeah, I'm actually okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy your evening, fellas. All right, you too. Yeah, enjoy I, I, your afternoon. I, I might just mention we had visitors from North Carolina and a really, really wonderful guy that uh, came up. He likes uh, the Corona beer, the Mexican beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he squeezes a lime, a, a, a yep. piece of lime into it. I guess that's fairly customary. So I'll have yeah. to try that. You know, and yeah. in, in apologies to my friends, I'm an exclusive switchback drinker. But yeah. now, uh, maybe every third week, I'll instead of the six-pack, I'll switch, switchback. You've got to switch to switchback. You switch, switch to, to Corona and then Corona switch 12, back to switchback. Switch back to switchback, yes. <laughs> and uh, after having a few, I probably couldn't say that. But I squeezed the lime into the Corona. You know, Corona took a bad hit during the COVID because at very first they were talking about the coronavirus. The coronavirus, yeah, right. and, uh, But they've bounced back, you know. It's, the pandemic is over and, yeah. hey, it's too good a beer yeah, to yeah. forget about. Did they you know? get all their shots? Yeah, right. There we go. So once you get vaccinated, go back to the uh, Corona. Yeah. But, Dad, you squeeze some lime into it. It's wonderful. Okay, we've got, we'll take one more call because we're reaching the end of things. Ben, you are that call. Your first name in town? This is Forbes, and you guys are having too much fun. Yeah, uh, aren't we, though? Yeah. <laughs> well, pick, open up a switchback, and uh, we could have fun together. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, just a couple of notes that I've run into over the years on uh, soil sampling. What yeah. I do is um, I do a leaf culture and soil. Oh, really? Oh, the, a lot so... of times what happens, I, I found that I had all the, uh, the minerals in the ground, yeah. but they were locked up. Mm. And so I had to add, add lime to it to, uh, as a reverse catalyst, you might say, to release it to the plant. But with a leaf uh, sampling and, and soil matched, you get a good picture. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's, that is really interesting. I, I did notice in the, uh, the test place that the, they had that and I kind of wondered, but it, it makes good sense that you want to see what the, what the plant itself is actually getting. Right. You don't want to be adding uh, too much to it uh, either, you know. Yeah. You need it more fertilizer when you really don't. Yeah. Yeah. They, so, they lock up. So how do you... Also, lime only moves one inch a year. Yep. So that's pretty important. Before you're going to get any good out of lime, uh, you're looking at quite a bit of time and looking yep. at that one inch per year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the reason I say is is go ahead and you know do it now for the for next year, you know right. the, yeah, the well, absolutely yeah. 
that's that's where it, it does is a, a good chance of breaking down, uh, you know, during the next season, and then you do it again in the fall again. Right, and the winter water, winter snow, and whatnot yeah. carries it into the ground. Yep. Yeah, right. Freezing, throwing. So let's say that your your uh, leaf culture says that it doesn't have enough of something, you know, magnesium or something. Uh, how do you adjust? Uh, how do you adjust your your fertilizer? Do you add more of that than you did, or? Well, actually, what usually you wind up with, uh, unless you haven't done any fertilization, is uh, a, a locked up structure uh, between the magnesium and the calcium uh-huh. and iron and various other things. And they'll they'll uh, they'll actually like a cluster. They'll lock. Right won't be uh, available to the plant. Right. So a lot of times they'll give you a, a lime, um, you know, or a sulfamag or a lime uh, addition to break that up, change the pH. Change the pH, change yeah. Change the pH of the minerals mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Then they're released to the root. Well, that's one of the things that they tested for is the, uh, the ionized, you know, right. uh, and the chelation and all this other stuff, which sort of went over my head, but um, I just went by their recommendations and did what they said to do. Um, yeah, you know, like there's it, crossed, it, and it, it'll stay that way until you uh, uncross your fingers. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. For we got, we do have one call. We'll try, I'm going to get into trouble, yeah, but I want to take one more call. Okay, yeah, just point, point right, out. Thanks for it, the call. It's a very different lime that you put in your garden that you put in your Corona. Just, be, just so that we can just so that we can acknowledge that before we get phone calls. And this okay. might be one of those phone calls. This is the final call for in the garden. Uh, this edition. Your first name in town. This is Nola calling from Ripton to end the show. On a sarcastic, funny note, courtesy of Mr. Robert Frost. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Perfect timing. That. Now, if you want to stay serious and scientific, hang up on me. <laughs> no, but we'll just mention to young people, this is why you should, you know, pay attention during chemistry class. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of practical Absolutely. applications in later life. Yeah. All right. Well, being the fact that I haven't been able to hardly sleep at all lately due to the pain in my leg... I've been having some very deep and moving conversations with Mr. Frost at night. Mm-hmm. And he said to me last night, he said, I can't believe the garden show's been going all these months. You still have not shared this poem. <laughs> so in light of the fact that the land is lush and the plants are tall, including weeds, this mm-hmm. is the time to talk about the objection to being stepped on. At the end of the row, I stepped on the toe of an unemployed hoe. It rose in a fence and struck me a blow in the seat of my sense. It wasn't to blame, but I called it a name, and I must say it dealt me a blow that I felt like malice prepense. Mm. You may call me a fool, but was there a rule that the weapon should be turned into a tool? And what do we see? The first tool I step on. Turns into a weapon. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is dedicated to all those solo gardeners who have done that. Stepping on this, if you've never on stepped on a hoe or a rake and gotten dinged, you yeah, I've, I've done yeah. it to both a hoe and a rake, and the rake really did me well. I tell you, that's the reason yeah, I am the way I am today. <laughs> so I don't want to drag the show 
too long, but good to hear your voices. And <laughs> thank you, Nola. Yeah, thank that you. was You're great. Per- That's a good laugh, time. and I yep. appreciate it. Thank you. All, right. All too I'll true. Next week. Okay. You have a great week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take you, care you too. Now. So, quick yep. word, uh, Peter. Uh, we will be here next week, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, well, wait a minute. No. Um, today is the twelfth, yeah. and that's the nineteenth, and that's Red Sox. Oh, it's Red Sox on the nineteenth. Yeah, so we week. will be back uh, on the twenty week week after twenty sixth. Okay, right. okay. Now I got to find where's where's our in the garden uh, inch by inch, row by row. row. I did have it here somewhere. I did, <laughs> yeah. have, did I get rid of it? Oh, no, I, there's no way I could have gotten rid of that. No, no. Uh, well, anyway, inch by inch, row by row. Yep. We are gonna... brought to you by um, the Willie Store. John Denver, John Denver just disappeared. This is, you know, kind of live radio. Let me try one more time here. Do 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 do. Inch. We don't want us to sing it. Although no. I can play it on the guitar, you know. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I think I still have I, the recording. I, 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 from... I wake up in the middle of the night and pick up my guitar and just play whatever I'm thinking of. And uh, by golly, oftentimes it's. Uh, Inch by inch. inch by inch, <laughs> row by row. Yeah, David Mamet. Let's give uh, credit where credit is due. He, Good, he, yeah. he wrote this wonderful song. He actually, he said that he thinks it was kind of just sent to him, you know, yeah. you know, by the uh, god of muses or something. Yeah. You know, it went through him. Yeah. At any rate. Uh, it's sort do. of like the uh, Homegrown Tomato song. Yeah. Right? That definitely was a, was a yeah. inspiration. Absolutely. From- I think we got it here. <laughs> Through the miracle of technology. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. Yep. In the garden. Enjoy your garden. Gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Our program brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. One of those stores where they've got it all for you right there. Don't have to go any further. Poly Construction, Gregory Drive in South Burlington. They'll fix it. One call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway. What a tradition there on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store, serving Morrisville and beyond, right there on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Pull right in. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. Clausen's Florist, their caddy corner from the Spanked Puppy where you can uh, get the aforementioned <laughs> Corona or switchback. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. There's one near you. Check online for store locations and hours, sticksandstuff.com. By the good folks at PNR Lumber, they're back and stronger than ever. Right there on Route 15 in Walkett, a family milled lumber mill for all your many projects. See them on Facebook, PNR Lumber. Guy's Farm and Yard, four locations to serve you in Vermont. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They're online at DandelionAcres.com. Closed today, but they will be open next Saturday with lots of great fall products for your garden and, of course, everything else. And they sponsor the WDEV podcast at WDEVradio.com. Peter and I will see you in the garden, not next week, but the week after, right here on WDEV. Someone warn them from below Till the rain comes tumbling down Till the rain comes tumbling